Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. Hello, and thanks for joining us for today's podcast. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry, and today, very interesting stuff. We're looking at clean energy with John Dyke, CEO of Sesame. Clean Energy Smart Manufacturing Innovation Institute. John, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for having us today. Thanks for joining us here today. Um, we'll use Sesame going forward because that's quite a long name of the institute there. Um, let's jump into it here. Tell me, uh, what is Sesame and describe your role with the um, institute? Yeah, so in short, Sesame is a public-private partnership funded by the federal government to help the uh, manufacturing community across this country invest in and deploy smart manufacturing more effectively to create a more competitive manufacturing environment here for for the country and essentially that's that's broad that's horizontal across all industries and even more importantly across manufacturers of all sizes not just the fortune 1000 for whom smart manufacturing is largely accessible but for the 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 rest of the small and medium manufacturing organizations that uh that absolutely need this sort of disruption and transformation as well. So, so we use federal funds to drive innovation and research and, and um, essentially our high level sort of vision is to accelerate the democratization of smart manufacturing, mm -hmm. which is to dramatically reduce the cost and complexity of how information moves from real time plant floor data sources like sensors and automation systems and software systems to the people and the systems, the processes that can do something more effective and drive productivity, energy productivity, manufacturing productivity. Excellent. And the, um, there is, there's thought leadership, there is community, there is um, research, there is a platform as well, there's a, there's a tool. That's exactly right. There, we deploy a number of really important uh, capabilities here and, and venues and platform platforms. We talk about uh, technology is one of the, the the key pillars. The the notion of de facto standards is is absolutely key, right? We uh, standards are tough in this manufacturing ITOT space. Sure. Um, we don't have time to to build a new standard. We can we can advocate certain standards that exists, but there's also the need for some new uh, ways of doing things. So the notion of a de facto standard is important, and that's a little bit of our technology investment and the ability to standardize how we structure data from plant floor systems. And that's a little bit about our smart manufacturing innovation platform. We have a significant effort around education, training, workforce development. There's, there's this knowledge, this, this urgent need for knowledge for, for the entire ecosystem, for the, for the systems integrators that are implementing systems, for the man, manufacturing practitioners, for the machine builders and vendors uh, that need to, to sort of understand and, and uh, be advocates for these new capabilities. And there's also the students, the, the, uh, the pipeline of, of smart young people across the industry that, uh, that need to be educated on some of these new ideas. And the third, last but not least, is just this notion of um, what we call the democratization of innovation itself. How can we bring smart people together to solve problems in ways that are uh, far more collaborative and less proprietary. I think the hallmark of a good, uh, major, innovative disruption 
is crowdsourcing and open sourcing, which the mm -hmm. IT space went through uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Our, our environment is still largely proprietary and we have to, we have to improve the way we collaborate and the way we solve problems, not just for one organization, but for the entire ecosystem. So that's a, the third important pillar of how we, how we go about this, this uh, democratization of smart manufacturing. John, on that front, um, uh, a, a, um, a mission of yours is to um, activate and enlist and encourage small and medium-sized manufacturers, correct? To address the fact that sometimes there's this notion that, that you know, these digital transformation efforts are solely the dom domain of the, of the giants and the, and the global enterprises with deep pockets and huge teams. Um, but that's not the case, correct? I mean, it's, some of these efforts um, can be easily implemented with small shops and medium-sized manufacturers, correct? Uh, so, so in essence, you're correct. The, the, the need is just as urgent and just as relevant. Uh, it's just as strategic for a small or medium manufacturer to, to, to drive digital transformation and, and create value from the digitization of, of uh, their plant floor operations. But it has largely been the domain of the Fortune 1000. I can speak from experience in my, in my previous 30 years in this space, uh, working for large uh, vendors like Rockwell Automation and General Electric, uh -huh. and even a small startup in between, we were focused on the Fortune 1000. It's a business model. It's a, it's a cost of sales. It's the, the entire implementation ecosystem is focused on selling to manufacturers that have multiple sites. Sure. And, and so in my entire career, I've never been in a small medium manufacturing plant. So there are some fundamental things that if we do them well, in a way that scales for the Fortune 1000, we believe we can, we can dramatically increase the accessibility for small and medium manufacturers as well. If we reduce the cost and complexity for the big manufacturers, it will only uh, lower the bar of, of accessibility for the small and medium manufacturers, which is at the heart of this idea of democratization. Yeah, excellent. John, tell me, um, let's talk about education and awareness of smart manufacturing. How, is, how has that changed? How has education for smart manufacturing and a kind of a general awareness of some of these tools, techniques, and technologies related to smart manufacturing, how has that changed in recent years? And, and how do you think that's going to change in the coming six months or six years? Well, I'll start by saying that not enough has changed. This is still largely, uh, uh, education is still largely kind of focused on ideas and capabilities that, that have been in the marketplace for 10, 15, 20 years. And that's largely- As opposed to what, John? As opposed to like scaling out successful pilots or what? Well, it, there hasn't been an organization uniquely focused on smart manufacturing here in the U.S. like you have in, in Germany or other parts of the world with Industry 4.0. Mm -hmm. the, the, the reality is um, it's been a vendor. It's been a vendor education environment. Sure. And, and vendors will- do what they need to to promote their products, which which is exactly what they're paid to do. But it doesn't raise the tide so that all the boats float higher. Yeah. And so that's 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 what has to change. And that's that's a big part of what uh, what our mandate is and what our funding is being used to accomplish. How is the pandemic affecting um, the work of Sesame? Yeah. So so just pragmatically speaking, because most of what we do is in the digital realm. Uh, in 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 the, in the first place, it's it's uh it hasn't affected the way we work, other than the 
ob obvious el elements around uh, making sure we're safe and working from from our home offices mm -hmm. instead of a collective office. But in terms of the, the manufacturing environments that we serve, the members that we engage with, the manufacturers, the, the machine builders, the integrators, the vendors, the academia, we we have seen we have seen uh, what initially began as um, I'll say op-eds and and smart people writing about the pandemic being a catalyst for digitization. We've seen that become a reality. Yeah, we absolutely see manufacturers of all sizes understanding and seeing firsthand how their previous investments in digitization and and IT OT infrastructure on the shop floor has equipped them to, to do things more effectively remotely, more safely with their, their workers on the shop floor. And in fact, this is a really important outcome for all of us and, and really unexpected actually. It is, it's propelled the worker to the forefront of, of many of the investments we're seeing sort of in, the, in this smart manufacturing realm. And I think that's, that's only gonna accelerate in the months and the years to come. What, what do you mean by that, John? How has it, it propelled the worker to the forefront of these efforts? So, Historically, so this, the, this, the digital transformation has been about the operation, about the equipment, about the design of products and processes and to, to improve those uh, pro productivity in those realms. Well, the, the, the pandemic uh, uh, very quickly unearthed the, the, the re practical reality that workers themselves uh, will, will dramatically impact uh, how effectively you can make these transformations if you if you've got if you if you, if you have a a need to reduce your workforce if you've got to do more with uh, people remotely out of the factory uh, you've got to equip those workers with the infrastructure and that infrastructure is digital in nature at, at its very core right sure. so so that's that's what this is all about the okay. safety first first and foremost but then it's the productivity and and all of a sudden the worker and and and, and equipping the worker with more digital tools to do their work more effectively and remotely where necessary is what it's all about. Um, that workforce development is, is key to um, the efforts of the Clean Energy Smart Manufacturing Innovation Institute. Um, what do the next five years of workforce development look like? Um, and and uh, in that vein of kind of this, this shift in um, approaches to how we do everything in, in the past six or eight months, mm -hmm. how can workers capitalize on these changes yeah so so part of the democratization uh concept is to reduce the barrier to innovation right there right Satya Nadella the CEO of Microsoft said last summer that um there will be 500 million apps created over the next five years well on the plant floor that usually means shadow IT pe people doing custom things that IT frowns at and in fact they, from their perspective, introduces cybersecurity risk and, right. and sustainability risk, right? What we're talking about here in terms of democratization, we believe will equip the citizen technologist to innovate and to improve huh. and to put, put tools that are consumer-grade tools today in the hands of workers on the shop floor that today go about their job with without those tools and go go about their job sort of in a very very small box that uh, that they're paid to accomplish yeah. if we can if we can create these citizen technologists and enable them in a sanctioned secure way sustainable way um they become part of the part of a well-educated well-paid set of 
um, citizen technologists that can actually improve what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Have you found that, this might be an anecdotal question, but have you found that um, young workers, and I'm, it's kind of a leading question as well, are more inclined to be that citizen technologist than, uh, than an aging uh, uh, worker nearing retirement? Um, is that cr critical to, to these efforts or will that fuel these efforts is that these digital natives entering the workplace are much more comfortable working remotely or working with their mobile devices or using these apps as opposed to somebody who's more of a traditional um, personnel member? Yeah, so, so in, sh in short, yes. Um, the, the, the reality that today um, virtually every worker takes a, a highly productive and a, and, a, and a very powerful machine in their locker or in their pocket as they walk onto the plant floor where that, where that device could be used to, to equip and to improve and to inform that's a that's a that's a travesty, but it's also a big part of how we inspire an, an, a new generation of workers to to find manufacturing compelling and attractive. Yeah, right? it's it's the it's the notion that that they can use visually appealing tools and and be part of part of a bigger thing. Right, I, I think it's it's a hallmark of this generation that that's uh, that they want to be um, they, they want to be part of. A cause that's greater than themselves and, mm -hmm. and this, this allows them to do that. Very cool. Um, research is, is uh, central to the work with Sesame there. What's an interesting uh, recent piece of research that you've developed and a key learning that's come out of that? Yeah, so we, we obviously the way we invest the funds in, in uh, innovation in, in this realm of smart manufacturing is uh, by what we call projects and and one of the projects that uh, we funded uh, about a year ago that's nearing completion right now is uh, with uh, General Mills as the, as the manufacturer and a, a small, highly innovative uh, vendor called ThinkIQ. Um, they came to us with a proposal to say, this notion of energy productivity <clears throat> is an important one for, for all the right reasons, for our sustainability uh, and, and for many reasons beyond that. And, and yet it's costly and complex to put sensors and power measurement devices in every plant at the level of granularity that's actually going to allow us to, to, to put energy on the bill of materials and to truly understand what our energy costs are by product, by equipment, by unit operations, right? So, so, so what they proposed to us was that they will go to a, one of their plants that does have much of that sensing power measurement infrastructure in place, um, collect the data from those and use AI and machine learning to infer energy consumption and energy productivity KPIs from that existing plant and be able to infer what that looks like in, in all of their other plants across there across that manufacturing ecosystem without sure. needing those sensors and so so that's a that's a project that's just concluding right now and we're really excited in the coming weeks and months to bring that to the marketplace because that's it's been done in such a way that it doesn't just pertain to one manufacturer's equipment and process it's been done in a way using sesme ideas and technologies to allow us to translate that to virtually any, any other manufacturer that has um, e equipment of that class. Right. Well, that's the, that's the point of having a collective institute is sharing that knowledge, right? That's exactly right. You betcha. Last question for you, John. Um, near future of smart manufacturing. Um, what, uh, what excites you? What most excites you about 
what is coming down the road in uh, this realm of smart manufacturing? What I'm excited about is, uh, um, is also a function of this pandemic, and that is a, a dawning realization that um, things need to change, that the sort of very American way of doing this on our own and, and, and um, competing on our own while core to our success does need to be, um, uh, I'll say, bent a little bit in some really important ways, and that is to enable us to, to, to focus on some of the ecosystem challenges where they are ecosystem challenges. And this notion of, of crowdsourcing domain expertise, this notion of, of investing once well in a digital way that allows tens, hundreds, thousands of others to use that same domain expertise um, w- without needing to pay for it over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an exciting piece. And, and so we're seeing an ecosystem that is readier now than they've ever been to collaborate and and uh, work together, crowdsource these capabilities in ways that uh, are vital for us to create a more competitive manufacturing base here in the U.S. Excellent. John Dyke, CEO of the Clean Energy Smart Manufacturing Innovation Institute. Thanks for joining us on the Remaking Industry podcast today. Chris, a great bunch of questions. It's been a privilege to be here with you today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was fun to chat with you. And to our listeners, as always, we remind you to go out and make it a smart day. <laughs>